Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 441. Uh, those who make it complicated never get congratulated. So the simpler things are, the cleaner things are, the, the more people love it. So like the less clutter, the easier it is for people to decide. So if you're choosing between two things versus four things, it's much easier to make that decision. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable 89 percent of guests research a restaurant online before dining out your website is your first impression so answer me this question honestly what does your website say about your restaurant also websites are no longer static brochures they're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Zach Weprin. Zach, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Hell yeah. I'm alive and I'm in business. Yes. That is what we like Grateful. to hear. There we go. So childhood friends, Zach Weprin, Josh Weprin, and Stephen Harmon love sushi. It was during their college career that they saw a need for a simple, fresh, and affordable sushi dining option. With this as their inspiration, they set out to create that experience. Fusion opened in May of 2010 as a place where discerning diners can customize sushi rolls in a fun, interactive, and energetic environment. Eight years later, they're operating 10 locations throughout Ohio State. Man, I can't wait to get your story. Let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? There's a couple of things that I've learned in the last 12 months, more so than ever before, is fail fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big one. And learn how to be uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, continuing to learn that one the hard way. <laughs> All right. Dive into learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Why is that so important? Why? Yeah. Um, when you, man, how do I start? Uh, I mean, there's so many different things that come at you when you're running a business, uh, when you're trying to create something, whether it's people, whether it's the product, um, you know, there's, there's just a, something new every day and the, the challenges are endless. And if you can, uh, kind of power through those things and respond with incredible, you know, positivity, you can learn how to inspire everybody around you. And that's, um, you know, it's kind of the transition of understanding the difference between entrepreneurship and, and leadership. And in, in many ways, there's two, they're two different things. So it's, uh, it, I mean, I love that quote, uh, because literally, uh, I just interviewed your, your neighbors down the road, uh, Fox in the snow yes. and their success quote was, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's like, um, you no, know, like you learn the difference between being over your, 
overwhelmed or, or in over your head or something. And like the, the, like in that like area just between like being overwhelmed and like in over your head is like where you grow, like, like just being on the edge of overwhelmed because like you're pushing yourself constantly and you're forced to yeah. like, you know, to, to be uncomfortable. And that's where like the real like growth happens. Yes. The growth is, the growth is key yeah. and it's, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Jeff and Lauren over there at Fox oh, in the great, Snow. Man. They're doing cool things. Awesome. Great way to get this thing started. So where did it all start with you? It sounds like you guys have been together for like a long time. Like the friendship is where it all starts, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously Josh is my brother and, and Steve Steve um, grew up on my, on my street. So we've been friends, like best friends for as long as I can remember. And uh, my dad owned his own business for, for 30 years. We grew up in the auto parts business and... Um, you know, so my dad was his mentor and, uh, we were always trying to scheme up new business ventures or any type of business opportunity. Steve and I had a leaf blowing business in nice. high school. My brother had a <laughs> pooper scooper business in I, high school. I thought about doing that for a short period of time. It's, yeah. That's a real thing. It's, it's true. It's legit, dude. Uh, nobody wants to pick up shit. It's, there's no. a market there. Uh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's how the three of us can continue to grow is, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur um the sushi thing that's uh you know that was a, a whole nother ball game i mean we we just wanted to create a place that we wanted to eat at um and we ended up you know it started in downtown cincinnati at the time there was no sushi in downtown cincinnati um so that's when ideas started rolling around my brother was working in real estate steve and i were living out in aspen as uh, ski bums living uh being bellman at a hotel at the base yeah, of the mountain i saw that um, uh so the Grant, right? You were just so that. Is that your first? The Gant, the Gant, yeah, Gant. yeah. Was that your first introduction to hospitality? Yes. I mean, um, I love talking to people, so I've always inherently yeah. loved hospitality, but I didn't know it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we we were Bellman taking care of very wealthy people. Um, you know, carrying their groceries, carrying their bags, picking them at the airport, uh, building those meaningful connections. Um, you know, face to face. So I inherently, I was probably always, I've probably always been a salesperson. Yeah. Um, but selling a product that you completely believe in is in, in love is is the best thing in the world because then it's just introducing what your what the product is and hopefully they love it and for yeah. me and, and us in Colorado's you're selling the mountains you're selling the lifestyle yeah. you're selling adventure and um, a lot of that was kind of the backbone of of who we are and what our culture is and what our personality is as a brand and we're continuing you know doing our best to to improve that and to tell that story um the best that we can we have lots of areas to improve at that uh, yeah absolutely i mean there's always room for improvement and i think i love that you have that mentality of it, you never are quite there because there's always something you can do better uh but so i guess bring me to the point where uh you first started talking about this idea for for fusion how did that conversation go we originally, my, like I mentioned, my brother was in real estate and he was working with the, um, this, this gentleman who owned some restaurants in Cincinnati. And that was, you know, we were eating a lot of sushi. Steve and I were eating yeah. a ton of free sushi out in Aspen as we'd send our guests to yeah. some of the nicest sushi restaurants in the country. Um, and we just loved eating it. Um, at that point, we didn't really know anything about the business. None of us had ever worked in a restaurant. Um, my brother did for a little bit, but I never worked in a restaurant. Um, we just loved to eat the product and we saw, we have some technology that allows us to streamline that process where we thought we might be able to actually create a different type of sushi experience that we never really found. So we could make it affordable. We can make it customizable. We can make it convenient and casual and like a cool environment, um, much like what you see in 
nowadays in the fast casual industry it's high quality product affordability customization and convenience yeah um and that didn't exist in sushi and that's when so we, you you couldn't at this time 2009 2010 like you couldn't find anybody doing fast casual sushi, sushi. you still really can't i mean to be honest you have you know you have kind of grocery store sushi and then yeah. you have more of a full service kind of fine dining sushi yeah. We chose to bridge the gap and create something in the middle where we thought people just like us would would want that product. And okay, cool. um, that's that's how it started, and that's what we're continuing to try to create every single day. So at what point did you guys say, like, we're going to do this? Like, when did you commit <laughs> to, like, the vision? Uh <sighs> Not too long after that, the idea started rolling, we found a, a space in downtown Cincinnati in the, the Tower Place Mall that actually no longer exists. They turned it into a parking garage. Um, we more or less were given the space because nobody would take it. Um, and you know, our first we our first year in business there was more or less where a lot of restaurant people will open, like do test kitchens or yeah. do you know we were we opened our doors and that's when we started to experiment and develop the concept because when we first opened um it, it it's changed significantly ever since then and yeah. it's um let's tap the brakes a little because I, I, yeah. I feel like there's still a lot we can uh, go into deeper uh like so you made the, com- the the commitment to opening this brand or this concept or this vision i like to call them visions uh so what was the first step after you realized hey like let's do this like what where did you start like the first thing you started doing to, to pull it off well we started to you know that we started to figure out the pieces that we needed so we needed the creative component we needed to figure out kind of what is the environment going to be like how are we going to make the product you know where are we going to get the money um fortunately we um my father actually helped us open up the first one um we he he uh he gave us a loan for $140,000 okay. um, and we managed to get it open as, as affordably as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Everything was used. There was no design component to it. Um, but when we found the equipment, um, you know, that you see on our line, that was when everything kind of the light bulb really clicked. What did that look like? We saw, we saw the, it's called a Maki press. It's made okay. by Autech, which is a, a speaker manufacturer. Okay. Um, and we saw that this, you know, it, it, you put the cooked ready to go sushi rice in this machine and it puts out a perfect sheet of rice. Okay. And he also had the same, this other piece of equipment, the cutter that cuts the rolls into 10 even pieces. So as we were trying to develop this fast casual model, we were trying to figure out why has this never been done? Why has sushi never been able to be executed in a fast casual manner? Um, you know, the fast, ca- the labor model was key. So yep. we were able to add some technology where we could ultimately kind of take away a lot of the skilled positions in making that product. We could streamline the ability to, um, you know, make sushi much easier, make the, roll out the the rice and put it on a sheet of nori or a, a soy paper um, much easier than having to, have to do it by hand. Okay. And same thing with a cutter. So we didn't need those skilled positions in cutting the rolls. Um, so we were able just to kind of slice and dice our products, um, use the, uh, the technology to, you know, lay the rice, cut it, and all we had to do was kind of roll it and sell it. So yeah. it was a lot. We took a lot of the skilled positions of traditionally that we've all seen. Yeah. Um, and we took that out of it and we were able to kind of bring the product in front of the consumer. So you eat with your eyes as you go down the line. So you actually get to pick and choose as you go down the line, kind of like eating with your eyes. And, yeah. and so you figured all this out before opening, like you created like this, this faster way, this more streamlined automated way of doing some of the things, not necessarily automated, but like removing, like you say, the skilled role. Um, I guess, what else did you need before opening? What else did you like prioritize the things you needed? 
Well, uh, the funny thing was is we didn't know what we didn't know. I mean, <laughs> we 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 were. I remember specifically sitting at the the bar at Skyline Chili um, because we're you know Dayton Cincinnati guys. We love Skyline. We're sitting at the bar everywhere we go. We would ask hundreds of questions because we didn't know anything about the business. So we're literally like sitting at the bar a couple weeks before we open. We didn't have a chef at the time, so we're just busy, like we didn't have a chef. So we're sitting at the bar and we're like you know, asking the lady, you know, what is that red bucket over there? Like the sanitizer bucket. And we're like, Oh, we're opening up a restaurant in a couple weeks. And she, you know, the manager at Skyline looks at us like, what is wrong with these guys? Like, yeah. So we literally were, you know, those are the type of questions that we were asking, you know, two to three weeks prior to opening. Oh man. Um, so you must've hit a lot of walls because I mean, obviously like you can't just open a restaurant. You need to pass code. You need to have all these, these regulations and permits in place. So yeah. did you hit any walls? We had, we had, a we had, um, our original partner. Um, he's no longer with us. He was a restaurant guy. Okay. So he helped us create the menu at the very beginning. Um, and he taught us some of the basics, but he was to the point where he didn't really feel like working anymore. And we okay. knew that we needed to kind of learn what he was willing to share with us. We need to write as much down as possible. And then we need to replace him with somebody that can run our kitchen. Okay. Um, and that was one of the first major jobs we had to get done. And we, this was all happening after we opened our doors. Okay. Um, and we also wow. had a lot of problems the first several weeks. We, one of the, we, we almost went out of business cause our rice was awful and we couldn't figure out how to make it consistent. Mm-hmm. And we, we, the rice that we were serving was steaming hot, and every single person that came into our restaurant the first couple of weeks most likely never came back. Oh man, yeah, it was. So how'd you overcome that? Um, well, uh, the the ironic thing is, is there was a third piece of equipment that the the manu- the the technology from the to make the rice that Alltech made that we didn't think we needed at the time, and because it, it was thirteen thousand okay. dollars, we were out of money. Um, so we're like, eh, we don't need that. We'll be fine. What you was know? this piece of machinery? Um, it, it's called the sherry mixer. So okay. what it does is once the sushi rice or once the rice is cooked in the rice cooker, we put it inside the sherry mixer where it spins it. It brings it down to the right temperature okay. and it mixes the vinegar. So it's the vinegar is perfectly mixed amongst oh, okay. all of the rice. So you didn't have that element and the rice wasn't sticking. No. And it was coming in too hot. It wasn't going through the, the, the Maki master. It was just a mess. And we were freaking out. We had, the line was growing and we didn't know what to do because our rice was terrible. We were okay. serving a product that was, was awful. Okay. Um, so you invest in that. How'd you get the capital to invest in that if you're out of money? Um, well, <laughs> I, I had to call my dad okay. and I said, dad, uh, we need to buy this piece of equipment. Or we're going to go out of business right away. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, he uh, was okay with it because we were able to get open for a little bit less than what we expected. And he wrote us a check. Um, and the guy who sold us the equipment luckily brought it, flew back out to Colum- or to Cincinnati and uh, delivered the, the product. Was in- this the guy that tried selling it to you in the first place? Yes. How'd that go? Uh, <laughs> he goes, I told you so. I mean, the same day, our, our that same Saturday, our, our, our chef... Um, uh, he showed up. He never. He didn't really know what we were doing. He was the little brother of Steve's best mm-hmm. friend from college, and he 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 was just graduated from culinary school. He was twenty eight. He was young. I mean, yeah. he was eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old at the time, or a couple years younger than we were. Twenty two. Okay. And he showed up that Saturday morning when uh, when Taka shows up with the equipment, and we we he walks in for the first time. I never met him. You know, we left the freezer open the night before. Oh, um, you know, Taka's here with this piece of equipment. We didn't even know, like, we didn't have any, th- we didn't have the right thermometers. <laughs> and we're like, Nick, what do we do? And, you know, 
it was it was hilarious because he's like, "What the hell's going on down here? Like, this is a shit show. Like, these guys have no idea what they're doing." Um, once Nick came in, he we're like, "Taka is showing us this brand new piece of equipment." We're like, "Show Nick how to use this," <laughs> and Nick's like, and he starts to you know show Nick how to use it, and Nick learned how to use it, and uh, we never let Nick uh, go home after that. <laughs> he slept on our uh, apartment floor for the next two years, and. Um, that was the, the beginning of uh, uh, the, the the road that the roller coaster ride that we're still on. <laughs> so take us to the point where things started to turn around. Like, what did that look like? What things started happening differently uh, that helped you start pivoting and moving in the right direction? Once we got the the, the mixer and we were yeah. our rice was consistent, um, that's when things started to change rather quickly. Um, you know, we, we were opening and closing the restaurant every single day because we needed to know everything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we started to learn how to sell the product and how to create this experience. And with this customer experiences from the moment they walk in till the moment they leave. So we're driving them through the customer experience at the beginning of the line and, and figuring out how to sell this product that nobody has ever eaten this way before. Yeah. So we're trying to educate people on what the product is soon. I would say within a month or a couple months, we started to see um, the same group of girls, like seven girls from the marketing firm down the street. They would come in two or three times a week. We got to know their names. They were getting the same role every time, and the line started to grow. Okay. So they were able to come and eat our rolls, the sushi, two or three days a week, which was the original vision is create this place that you could eat as often as you want and not feel like you're – going broke yeah and that was not ever really been done with sushi before so that's that's when we started to see you know we're onto something and then the line started growing and it would kind of wrap around to outside the mall and we're like we're we're executing this intense lunch rush and the highest daytime population of cincinnati and you know we're onto something this is something that we believe can work in many different places we're in the cbd of cincinnati so there's people that are coming in from all over the country you know, whether it's New York, LA, Hawaii, Chicago, all these big markets, and they were coming to eat our food. And, you know, we're talking to them and they're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. Bring this to our city, bring this to LA, bring this to Chicago. I'm like, this is exciting. We're like, yeah. So real quick, uh, from the time that you opened to the time that you realized you were all kind of screwed up, uh, to the time that you, you figured that out and you fix it, how much time elapsed in that period? A couple months, a couple months. So in a couple months you went from, you know, complete clusterfuck part of my language yeah. to uh, starting to get orders. So what do you think the secret to getting well, order is? The, well, we, the, we didn't necessarily even have order at that time. <laughs> I mean, we just started to, the food was better. It was yeah. getting a little bit better each and, you know, every day. And we started to make adjustments. Um, you know, we would make decisions on the fly that, um, you know, we'd change the way we were making the asparagus or we changed mm-hmm. the way we were, you know, we got rid of, we had a salad bar at the time. We got rid of that. We were just making changes fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's never really, I mean, even to this day, we're still making changes all the time. So I don't think it ever gets to the point where you're like, okay, yeah. this is There's good. Let's way. move. Yeah. It was, it was, we believe that this experience could be so much greater, so much better. So we started acting and pretending as if we're this national brand mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the way we talk, the way we talk on our social media, the way our, we design, um, you know, our logos, the way we, you know, send out our, everything that we touch and take, like we were focusing on developing this retail experience, um, that we believed, um, would, would 
would be a, something that other people just like us would want. Yeah. And so, we were consumers. I the, mean, that was, that was yeah. it. The big things I'm pulling from this conversation up to this point is just start, uh, you know, it's going to be crazy. You're going to hit walls, uh, but just adapt and pivot and surround yourself with the people that can help you. And, uh, you know, learn how to sell the experiences, which I think is really important, but also just, uh, you said something just then that really resonated with me is pretending to be a national brand, which kind of reminds me of that saying, fake it till you make it. So project that, you know what you're doing and slowly just uh, get there. I mean, it's not the ideal way to get into it, but if you're, if you're, if you're taking the approach that you're taking where you had no prior experience, really um, just get in there and just, you know, every day show up and grind and, and pivot and learn and adapt. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was all we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we knew we need to learn everything that we could about what it would take to make it work. We had this vision of the brand in terms of how great we need to be at, you know, whether it's PR, whether it's uh, operations, whether it's, you know, the team that we hire, all of those things. We we had alignment amongst us that of what that vision needed to be. And then we started to ask tons of questions and be students of everything we could learn. I mean, I was reading S1 filings of public companies every day so I could learn, you know, what I need to try to figure out how how to make our P and L work, how to figure out what prime costs are, and to get our labor this model is and our coming food from costs. somebody who's a degree in uh, finance. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, you would think that I would know those things, yeah. but I didn't. I mean, yeah. we didn't. We we had to kind of back our way into making sure that we could develop an economic model that would work. Okay, and we're still doing that every day. I mean, so, we're trying to. It has to work. It has to make money. So, you know, you have to figure out how to price your menu and to buy your product. I mean. We're using a lot, a lot more suppliers today than we were our first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, 2012, October 2012 was when you opened your second location. So, walk me through October the- of 2011, a year and a half okay. later. Yeah, yeah. 2011. Yeah, sorry, yeah. typo. No, it's all good. Um, so, what happened in that that year of, or so period? What things? What are the key things? The key elements that you accomplished from opening the first location to opening the second? Like, what what what, thing, what things had to happen before opening that second location? Um, the biggest thing, the biggest, uh, investment that we made during that time was we, we brought on a firm, um, an international design and marketing firm out of Cincinnati called FRCH. We actually were not fusion when we first started. Okay. We were under a different name. The name was Soho Sushi. Okay. Um, which is not a good name. Um, we, we needed a name that we could build on and a, a name that we believed could be a, a brand, um, that, you know, could be something bigger than, you know, one small little restaurant and something that people connect to and that would, they would automatically be kind of drawn to, um, through this sushi experience. And we, we hired them, we went through renaming process. Um, and then we, we really developed our kind of customer flow and our customer experience that we thought would be, um, you know, next level. So we, we, that's what we did is we focused on developing that experience and picking up all our materials and, and what that would be like from the moment you walk in to the moment you leave. And that's when we were able to open up our Brown street store, Dayton and some prime real estate in a small, you know, 1860 square foot so, place that when you would walk into that store, you actually felt like this was a national brand. Our first store, there was no design element to it. Nothing. People would walk into our store, stand in the middle of the restaurant and be like, where the hell am I? And they would, turn around and walk out and then we would chase them and say come try our food i know you'll love it and then once they did they would always come back so we had to go in there we had to chase them down and say try this i know it doesn't you you can't tell what it looks like when you walk in but 
trust us, you'll like this. Yeah. And we would give food away for free all the time just so they try it. Let's bring it back to uh, before uh, you opened uh, the date and location. And you said the, the key, key things to customer experience. What are those key things to a customer experience that you worked on? Uh, I mean, everything from you know hitting on all the senses, everything that you see, you taste, you touch, you smell, you feel, is all a part of what will continue to differentiate you from the competition. That experience um, is, is different for everybody. So, you know, for one person, it could be the, the, the music that's playing, uh, that's blasting in the background. Or for one person, it could be, you know, the colors of, you know, the logo. Or for another person, it could be, you know, obviously the taste of the food is insanely important. Mm-hmm. Without a great product, you have nothing. Yeah. But you have to be great at all those things in order to really differentiate yourself from the thousands of competitors out there mm-hmm. um, and really be the best at all of them. Um, and that was, you know, that was what our focus was. So really developing that and, and talking to every single customer and seeing the difference between you. The more we learned about our customer, the better decisions we were making at that time. Beautiful. Awesome stuff there. So just to summarize, uh, hitting all the senses. So basically brand imaging, uh, differentiating, finding your niche in the market and really getting that identity and then uh, getting the data from the customers. Like how can we best serve you is what I'm hearing. From yeah. You. I mean, we're, we're, Focus, yeah, every day. It's so like the more we learn about our customers, the better, the better one, we can do. What's one thing that you changed because of what customers said to you? Give us an example. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> we're going back ten years. Yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. Right? I'm trying to think. Ago. Like I was, uh, my first, I was first starting to think about like when we added brown rice to the menu. When we first started, it was only white rice, but that was a couple years later. We got rid of our Coke machine. Um, that was also a couple years later. I mean. We, we honestly started to take things off the menu. Um, we found that, um, you know, when we first started, we had Unagi Eel, we had Yellowtail, which we want to bring back. Yeah. But um, we were simplifying everything. Yeah. And we realized that the fewer decisions that the, our consumer needed to make, the easier it was for them to decide. Um, so as we started to take things off, um, you know, we were hitting on the very basics and traditionals like the raw tuna and salmon, but then we had chicken, we had steaks. So mm-hmm. that was part of the education process of teaching people about our product. Mm-hmm. So many, like, you know, we're, I say this all the time. I sometimes, you know, you know, I get yelled at by it, but like, <laughs> we're the only crazy people to start a sushi concept like this yeah. in the Midwest. And that's one thing I've been kind of curious about. Cause when you go to like a traditional sushi restaurant, like you look at the menu and it's like, it goes on for days. Right. And there's so many different options. And how do you decide like which elements of sushi you're going to commit to? And that not only like, which elements the traditional route, but also like you have the fusion, like it's part of like the brand uh, combining new things and different things like the chicken and the beef into sushi, which is kind of different. So how did you, and you have a kind of a small menu today. So how did you narrow it down? I mean, we, you, you look at your sales mix and you figure out what's selling well and what, you know, customers are buying and people are always buying more tuna and salmon. They were yeah. unagi eel or yelltail. So you you're know? just looking you're doing like menu, menu engineering at this point. Like what's performing best yeah. lean into the strength. And we're still doing that. I mean, okay. we're about to, you know, we just had a major pivot last year and we can get into that later and mm-hmm. we're going to pivot again. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're trying to simplify as everything as mm-hmm. much as possible. Why is simplifying so important? Um, <laughs> uh, I was just thinking of, of kid Cuddy for a second. You know, it's, you can quote kid Cuddy if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people, he, he, uh, those who make it complicated never get congratulated. So the Ooh. simpler things are, the cleaner things are, yep. the, the more people love it. So like the less, clutter the easier it is for people yep. to decide so if you're the, choosing between two things versus four things it's much easier to make that decision yeah, and even beyond that it's easier to be good at fewer things yes so if you simplify it and you make it easy it's way better to be really good at it than being and what you're trying to do is teach 
people that off the street how to do this. And you can't be complex. You can't be sophisticated no. and scale that. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, is, you know, still not everybody's eating sushi. Okay. It's not as, it's not, you know, everybody eats a cheeseburger. Everybody eats a slice of pizza. Everybody will eat pasta. Um, not everybody's eating sushi yet. I mean, we've seen studies where maybe only 45% of the population in the Midwest eats sushi, whereas it's a lot higher on the coast. So we're still trying to educate people on what our product is. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a whole other challenge that we're constantly going up against is, is just come in our doors, try our product. We'll give it to you for free because mm. I know you'll like it. All it is is sushi literally translated is just vinegared rice. So it's not, as, it's not raw fish. Yeah. A lot of people who don't like sushi, quote, you know, they've never had it, but yeah. they don't know what it is. And it, they're just not educated on it. So we need to continue to do a better job of educating yes. people on our product. And Beautiful. if we continue, not if, as we continue to get better at that, our business will continue to grow. And that's, you know, that's what we talk about every single day. Yeah. That's a huge, a huge element of just the experience too. When you, when you can educate somebody, you can tie up a, a new piece of knowledge to an experience. Like you're going to, it's not much easier to be like memorized. People are going to like feel special, more special about that experience because they're, they're tying new knowledge to the experience, which is kind of cool. Uh, one quick question before we move on to talking about scaling, how you went from, uh, from one to two and then from like two and it looks like t- 2015 is where you really started to try to, to take off. Um, what about systems? Where were you with your systems at, at this point? I'm assuming the simplification was feeding into the systems to, to get that kind of as smooth as possible. Is that a, a safe assumption? I really don't think we had any systems at that time. <laughs> okay. We didn't really. I mean, we, we thought we did. Um, we also were 24 and naive yeah. and, you know, we were much, we were not very good listeners at the okay. time and we're, we're working on getting better at it. Okay. <laughs> um, but we, our systems that we thought we may have had kind of every time we've grown a little bit, they continue to fall apart and they, and they're different. So you have to continue to innovate as you're okay. growing. So ironic, when we opened our second store, we actually, had a major theft issue in our original store because we lost track. We, okay. we weren't paying as much attention at the first store as we should have been um, because the second the Brown Street store in Dayton was doing, you know, I think at the time, like three or four times the volume. So it hit it. it, it when we opened that store, it just took off. Okay. And it was much more profitable. So we're trying to really see how, you know, how much, how much this, ex- this experience can really create. So okay. our systems were... Uh, more or less non-existent. Okay, so uh, <laughs> you had the first store 2010, 2011 of October. You opened the second store. Uh, 2013, is that correct? You opened the Ohio State University location? Yeah. So at this point, did you have your systems? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so And then we were also in three different cities. So, okay, what, how, what was your biggest challenge being at three different locations with uh, only three partners? Like, how did you guys manage, how did you keep it, order how did you keep like flow like how did that look well i mean it's for us it was more or less surviving and mm-hmm. trying to do everything we can and put out as many fires as possible as they came at us so mm-hmm. we didn't know what we didn't know mm-hmm. um you know people always ask us at the very beginning three partners three cities three stores so each one of you is in one city we're like no we all do different things mm-hmm. we're all our skill sets are completely different that won't work for us um so we you know we've kind of go back into the going back to fail fast. I mean, we, we made mistakes over and over and over again. You know, one of the biggest mistakes we started to learn, you know, and we're, you know, kind of hit us pretty hard last year was we're not there yet. Uh, we're not keep, there yet. Doing that. We're not um, there yet. We, so yeah, we, we <laughs> let, me were, ask, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, hindsight being 2020, 
uh, you said you don't know what you don't know. So what didn't? What do you? What do you know today that you didn't know in 2013? Um, having the right people in the right place um, is is so crucial to success. I mean, your idea um, is one thing. People saw what we were doing and like, this is genius. Why don't you open up 50 really fast? We're mm-hmm. like, well, we're trying, but it takes. You know, it takes an army and it takes a lot of, like, it's not easy to do it overnight. The idea was the easy part, but the execution um, and, and building the team is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. So anybody could go out there and steal our idea because the ideas, you know, you, you can't. Idea is shit. Execution is what will Yeah, so you can't recreate our personality. You can't recreate our brand. Mm-hmm. You can try to recreate the experience and sell a similar product, mm-hmm. but people connect to a brand. Mm-hmm. People connect to um, values. They connect to your mission, and there's ways to, um, you know, so so for us, it's really about having the right people in the right place. When did you figure that out? Um, uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, you Maybe I would have said that at yeah. that time and thought I knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. but until I realized that I was wrong, I didn't I, I was I didn't realize it. Meaning like how do I um let Wait, me, I don't so, know if I understand. You said maybe I would have said that. Said what? It's all about you, the people. So maybe you don't know that you have the right the wrong person in the wrong position until it's too late. Yeah. Until you you know, you you hit the wall and then you're like, okay, I got to make a change. Okay. Um, if that makes sense. So would you say that you, the, so, the first pivot towards getting to the point where you really started catching your stride was, uh, getting the right people and in, in the right place and developing that culture. Did that come before systems in your opinion? Uh, oh yeah. I mean, okay. we are, our, our soul and our, our personalities, um, and our, you know, our, our, our brand that, that, that's what kind of, has gotten us through some of the mistakes as mm-hmm. well as the, the food. I mean, mm-hmm. when, if you, if you're making a bunch of mistakes, but your product's amazing, you can overcome a lot of failures and keep making it through those hard times. Um, and thank God our product's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helped us. Yeah. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So when did it start looking right as far in regards to getting the right people in the right place? When did you figure that out? I could give you that answer, but I feel like it's even more now than ever before. So that's like jumping to the present. Okay. Uh, so, well, I'm curious. Um, I can't even imagine having 10 to 12 operations going. Yeah, we, we, we had, we had 12, we closed down two last year. So, okay, let's dive into that. Let's let's go into that. So in your opinion, looking, reflecting back at this time, uh, if you could do anything differently, knowing what you know now, uh, starting from 2013, 2004, when you're only at like three or four locations, if you could, write history over like what would you have done differently these are deep questions man i you're no, being a sport good. and i appreciate no, I love you. it um this you know it's interesting is, we so we've bootstrapped this entire business yeah. um so we have this vision of this incredible retail brand that's mm-hmm. you know and we're, we're spending a lot of money to build out our restaurants yeah. we've bootstrapped this entire thing through cash flow and through debt so we've been taking on sba loans and we put every single dollar back in and we've been, you know, rolling this through. We mm-hmm. have, we have zero outside investors, uh, that won't, that, you know, that'll change in the future, but we wanted to prove out that this economic model, that this business model could work. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should have raised money a little bit sooner. Okay. Um, if that, that would have made a difference in terms of being able to, you know, you make a mistake yeah. on a store or, or any mistakes and mm-hmm. you spend all this money and take on this debt and it doesn't hit the profits that you're projecting, yeah. you don't have as much cash to, to, 
to pivot and to make adjustments or to change the way you design the line or anything like that because you don't just have lots of money to throw at it. Mm-hmm. So we've never we've never had that capital behind us to make decisions. So I think that it was a struggle in some ways, but it also allowed us and taught us a lot to how to to make decisions better, to how to be um, to be scrappy and to understand the importance of the dollar and mm-hmm. that you know you need to spend your money wisely mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, those lessons have been a little bit different each year we've been in business, um, more, more, uh, prominent in the last year than ever before. Um, but that would have been a big change. And then, um, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're, uh, I don't want to use the, we're, we're just learning. So, um, it's never, no matter where you are in your career in hospitality, the industry is changing faster than ever. So once you figure you have the recipe figured out, like time happens, and things change, industries evolve, and then you got to figure it all out over again, all all over again. So you never have all the answers. So I'm not picking on you. <laughs> like, oh no! Like, it's uh, like I think what you guys have pulled off, uh, starting with as little experience as you had getting into the industry, it's a, it's amazing. It's a, it's a miracle that you that you've done what you've done, and I want to recognize you for that, man. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm, oh no problem. I'm so I'm extremely gonna, grateful. <laughs> so I'm gonna open the gates, man, and uh, let you run free and just kind of go wild. And I've been holding you back, trying to kind of not letting you get to this point of now you actually have it figured out or you feel like you have it figured out with the people. So what have you done recently to really get it right? What does that look like? What's that picture of perfection in your eyes? Look like? <laughs> well, there's no, there's no, uh, perfection by any means. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things that we, the biggest learning lessons that I've, um, you know, learned recent in the last 12 to you know 18 months is, is for us at the very beginning, our, we were all focused on growth, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to open the next store, and we're, we're, de- we're focused on developing uh, career opportunities for young people. And we mm-hmm. developed Fusion University, where you can start as a freshman and work your way up through sophomore, junior, senior level status. Um, and one of the things, as we kept opening new stores, we had new opportunities for management positions and whatnot, and we promoted mostly within. And, you know, we were learning as well. I think one of the, the biggest learning lessons is is when you promote someone that isn't necessarily yet qualified or ready to take on that leadership position, even though they are excited to do it, you often can promote people into failure. Mm. Um, that was a huge learning lesson, mm. and and making sure that you have you know the right person in the right place in those game changer positions is is yeah. key. Um, so I think we've lost, we, we've unfortunately lost a lot of really great people because of that. And I take responsibility for that. So you lost um, a lot of great people because you promoted them because they were excited and they wanted the promotion, but they weren't quite ready yet. You were p- promoting them too soon and you're taking yeah, that. Brunt, I, I think that's, saying. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a tough learning lesson. Yeah. Um, that's, that's some real stuff. I yeah. mean, it's, um, and I, yeah, I take, I take responsibility for that and it's, um, you know, it's made us better leaders. It's, it's taught us a lot. And, you know, like I said, you know, we've been able to kind of power through some of those mistakes and whether our, you know, customer experience was lacking, you know, in those, in those challenges or, or whatnot, um, you know, we're having the right people in the right place is game changing. I mean, ironically, like this is so funny. Um, we have our first real experienced culinary director that we brought on three months ago. Oh, cool. So we built a restaurant company, um, a sushi, you know, sushi restaurant company to, to now 10 units with no experienced sushi chef, which is pretty 
incredible. <laughs> uh, so is it credible? Is it incredible or is it kind of stupid? You tell you me. Know, but I think there's a. I think yes is the answer. Yes, uh, but, we should have done it sooner. That's a huge learning lesson. Well, yes, but, it's incredible. Yes, it's stupid. But I think there's a part of you that needs to embrace the stupid. Like you need oh, yeah. to take a risk. You need to just go and. I mean, not. Is it the? Is it a high risk approach? Absolutely. Uh, but is it possible? I mean, to, to I mean, because you you didn't like follow. I mean, you, you blazed a trail and there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Uh, like you said, like you found, you looked at the market, uh, like the, the grocery stores that were doing the grab and go and like the, the full service sushi and there was nothing in the middle. So I commend you for seeing a niche and filling that niche and, uh, and just like embracing it and learning and adapting as you go. Uh, I'm curious, what did this culinary professional coming into this? Like what, what was that, uh, introduction well, like, and what advice do they have? Well, that was, um, I mean, he's been amazing. I mean, yeah. um, there, he was one piece of a big thing for us too, is we hired like a, a, an experienced director of operations, yeah. um, which has been game changing for us as well. Um, another one that we probably should have hired, yeah. you know, much, much earlier in, into the game. Um, you know, they, when you have experience of, you know, sort of, uh, we kind of joke, but a little bit more adult supervision, (laughs) um, more experience that they know, you know, how to, to manage people and to, um, really create that environment where we can create accountability within the organization. Uh, it's been game changing and it's really allowed us to kind of adjust the way we were making decisions. I was scaling up my, our home office to support more growth. And then we hit a wall, um, where we couldn't open any new stores and our, our home office, you know, it grew and we needed to kind of scale that back a little bit. And when we brought in the director of operations and brought in the corner director, we realized we could get a lot more done mm-hmm. uh, with the smaller team and make the business um, more valuable. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's part of mistakes that I made learning, growing um, and stuff that we, you know, are thankful that the business is continuing to grow. But, you know, as a result, we've, you know, lost good people along the yeah. way. I feel like the big lesson here is that you're only as good as your team. And there's, there comes a certain point, uh, when you're growing and that there's a time that you have to recognize to almost get out of the way and to surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak and who can lift you up. Yes, exactly. Uh, so reflecting back at this short period of time, this recent period of time, uh, this director of operations and this culinary director, what were the key lessons that they came in and taught you? Starting with the culinary director, what did they, what did they teach you? Um, to, to trust the team and to allow, you know, trust the process and allow, um, allow people to do their job and, and yeah, stay out of the way. I yeah. mean, this my, is the culinary director that taught you this. Uh, I would say more so the director of operations okay. in terms of just, just really understanding what it's going to take to, to get our stores running the right way and then to continue the innovation. Yeah. Um, the innovation is key and if we can execute and innovate while we're moving forward, um, that gives us a lot more opportunity to create a lot more value. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, what else in these few, uh, the past year, the, I think in the past year has kind of been like a, a pivotal, like a, a pivotal point for the, the restaurant group. Is that safe to say? Yeah. I mean, uh, my job as the leader is to continue to make sure there's alignment within the organization mm-hmm. that we have the right org chart in place and the right people in the right place. And that, and that the vision is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Sometimes you might think you have those things, but you realize that you don't. So you have to be open to understanding that you're wrong, and then you have to make those changes, and you have to 
get everybody on board and you have to keep moving forward. So be willing to swallow your pride a little bit. Uh, what is this? Is that a safe assumption? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the vulnerability is, Mm -hmm. is I've learned more about what it takes to, you know, understand vulnerability and to admit when you're being an asshole or you're wrong and, and really be tough enough to make decisions and keep moving forward and, and driving the vision and the company in the direction that it needs to be going. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to like acknowledge like what you tackled, uh, 24 years old. Uh, I can't like, we're about the same age. I can't imagine myself at 24 years old, uh, taking on such an adventure in, in being so bold and taking the risk and having that confidence and being willing to evolve and adapt and to do that and to, to, it's amazing in my opinion that you guys grew at the rate you grew and you are still around and that you, you still are relevant. It's um, the people that you're around. I mean, you know, between Steve and my brother and my, my family and my parents and my friends and the network that I'm continuing to work to build, the people that I surround myself around are the ones that will, will support you and help you power through those challenges. And, the, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we're a reflection of the people we surround ourselves around. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride of ups and downs and our, you know, my relationship with my brother my relationship with Steve and, and my family is, you know, something that's constantly being worked on and improved. And, you know, it's like a marriage. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you know, so it's, you know, without that support around you, um, you know, it wouldn't work. So yeah, that's, that's so important. Which brings up another topic. A lot of people say never go into business with friends, never go into business with family. I don't believe in that. I, I feel like you, you need somebody who's as close to you as family. When the shit hits the fan, you need that, that bond that's unbreakable. The people that are going to stand by you and go through it and come out the other end with you. And if you just have a transactional relationship where somebody uh, says, Oh yeah, let's go and let's, let's do this. When, when it gets hard, which it, it inevitably will get hard at some point, like you don't know how strong that bond is. You need to know that you're going into this with somebody who's going to stay there to the end. And do you want to speak to that at all? I mean, I think you already did. Yeah. I mean, I, I went straight to thinking about my dad. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I read a book last year, uh, Phil Knight's book, uh, about, um, it's shoe dog. It's kind of the story of, of how Phil Knight started the business. And most of the book takes place before he even got to like 10 million revenue. Um, and his, he, you know, he'd go home every single day after all this craziness and he talked to his dad every night. Um, you know, I talked to my dad. Yeah. So multiple times a day, I mean, nonstop. Yeah. Um, and with, with my dad's support, like, you know, I'm grateful for my partners. I'm yeah. grateful for my family, but there's a, a connection that I have with my dad that continues to like support me in ways that, um, I could never imagine. I mean, without him, like being able to like talk me through the, you know, the ups and downs and jumping off the cliff and yeah. all the, you know, it, it it's amazing. So what are that the, relationship is like, I'm the most grateful for. Give me a couple of specific things that you've learned from your dad, uh, I know it's probably hard to just narrow it down to a couple of things, like maybe one or two things, big lessons that you can pull from your dad. What he saw you that you can share with us. Um, he, there's so many, um, you know, being overcoming fear and really kind of just, you know, the uncomfortable being comfortable being, or being comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I had a, a couple months ago, I had one of the most challenging times since I've been in business and you know, I couldn't sleep. I've never been, I've never had any sleepless nights until recently. Mm-hmm. And I thought everything was collapsing. We ran out of cash. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually comfortable talking about it because I think it's important. Um, and I want you to know, I appreciate you opening up and getting, yeah, it. I mean, it's, it was a crazy time. Um, but 
I mean, he was there from the very beginning and I, um, you know, he was answering my calls at 4am mm-hmm. if I was freaking out and I couldn't sleep and I was having a panic attack, which is crazy. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you're alive, you're healthy, you have your family. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You lose the business. Like it's not the end of the world. You know, you, you really, um, you know, it's, you know, be grateful for where you're at. It's not Armageddon. Everything's going to be fine. Just, you got to keep making decisions and powering through it and having that support. Um, that's probably not like one specific quote or like inspirational, um, you know, it's great, man. I love it. Uh, so let me ask you if there's anything we haven't covered up to this point, anything that you were hoping we would cover on this free flowing portion of the conversation, what would it be? Uh, what have we not covered? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think it's the, it's the, it's the potential, you know, mm. it's the, for, for us, you know, the exciting thing is, is that when I go into the stores and I eat our food, um, I have a roll or I have a bowl, which we haven't really hit on, um, you know, and the food's amazing. And, and I'm talking to the customers and they're excited and they're smiling yeah. and they're taking photos of the food and they're putting on Instagram. Like that's the stuff that continues to inspire me to, to push forward and to, to continue to take more risk and to, and to continue to dream big and, and want to create this experience all over, you know, the world. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I spent some time in Australia, uh, right before we started and I met some guys, um, when I was traveling the coast, some Israeli guys that were traveling with spices, um, some Israeli spices and I met them in a backpacker and they invited me, they offered me some of their spaghetti and then I became really good friends with them. I traveled the coast with them. And, you know, I made spaghetti from scratch for the first time with them, started making food from scratch and we made friends traveling from all over the world just by feeding them. Mm. Um, and, and that was the connection that started everything. So that, that connection, um, of making great food and making people happy, that intimate kind of, you know, consuming something and, and eating something. If you can create that connection over and over and over again, you have something and, mm. and you can build on that. And that's the foundation of, of, of how you can grow the business. So, beautiful. um, I don't know if that's what you were looking for. No, but, man, it's yeah, beautiful. It's, like, it's good. I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Payroll and benefits. It's hard. Sometimes it feels like this foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. 
All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Um, perseverance. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, my biggest weakness, I'm, I'm uh, listening, responding planning <laughs> how have you gotten better about that listening <laughs> <laughs> uh no i think writing things down and um really um listening and taking the feedback from the people around you um and you know i think a lot of a lot of you know my partners and the people close to me would say that they've seen improvements over the last you know couple of years so um as long as you're asking for feedback um that's the that's the good stuff, and and the better you. T- I I prefer the negative feedback because that's the stuff that helps you grow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's one question or thing you look for when you're growing your t- your team? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I I ask nothing but good questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about values, and and we talk about our mission and and our food, and and you know, I I'm not an expert at it by any means. Um. You know, it's, it's, you know, how interested are they in the food and, mm-hmm. and more interested in asking about the business and the type of questions that they ask as opposed to, um, I, I think the, you know, like our, our director of operations found us yeah and he was pushing me to, 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 to create a job for himself. And, um, the ones that are the most interested in the product and what we do and why we do it, um, you know, I, I, I think that it's easier to understand you know, alignment within our values and, you know, what we're trying to accomplish every day. Um, I, I, I don't Dude. know if that answered your question. No, it does. Uh, what's the current challenge today? What's your biggest challenge today? Our biggest challenge today is to, um, to get people to walk into our doors for the first time. Um, you know, we see, I think cars, drive by our stores every single day um, that won't come in because they think they don't like sushi or they don't know what it is. And when they finally come in, they always love it. Mm. So it's how do we connect um, with people that don't, that are still kind of new to, to the cuisine. So, you know, it's, you know, it's back to the, you know, for us, our, our goal right now is to improve the 10 stores that we have and make them more profitable, more valuable. And then, and then take the business to a, a major market mm-hmm. and see what it can do in downtown Chicago mm. or, you know, 
you know, Boston or a DC or a bigger market to really kind of, you know, sh- to kind of take it to the next level. Okay. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. I'm talking like core values, ways to be beliefs. Well, you know, our, our, our five core values are integrity, accountability, transparency, collaboration, and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and really kind of having conversations around all of those to really understand what they mean. Um, so you can learn those in many different ways. Um, you know, I remember when we first sat down, when I first sat down when I was 24 and we were hiring a team and I didn't know what I was doing. So I, I was like, I called my dad. I was like, dad, how am I supposed to hire a team to do something that I don't know how to do myself? <laughs> and he's just like, go do it. So yeah. I, was, I was like, okay, that doesn't really help me, but I just did whatever my gut was telling me. Mm-hmm. So at the time I started talking to people. You know, I was looking at how they talk to me, you know, what their body stru- their body language is telling me. Are they looking me in the eye? Where are their shoulders? Like, what kind of questions are they asking? Do they, you know, like the music that we're playing? Like, anything, can they connect to, to me or can they connect in ways, can they talk to people? Because um, we, we believe that we can teach a lot of skills. Mm. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in sushi to join our team. If you have chutzpah and personality yeah. and, and, you know, curiosity and you know, creative questions about learning and growing personally and professionally, we can, we can, we can create something together. So, Beautiful. um, I think it's a lot of that stuff. I dig it. What is one code of conduct? Uh, I'm sorry. I just asked that question. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So that I'm talking like, uh, what's common for your business, like a standard of service that's common for you, but uncommon within the rest of the industry, something you do to go above and beyond for service. Like chasing people down the street. That yeah. Come and cheer, um, you know, I think, you know, I think we could do even more of it. Um, we try to give away a lot of free food. You know, there's, you know, I love, we'll see in our restaurant, you know, a group of four friends coming into our restaurant, three are eating sushi and the one person that's eating a sandwich. You know, I want to do a better job of, we always, I always go straight to the person eating the sandwich yeah. and not to like make them feel uncomfortable because they always are like a little uncomfortable when you, when you talk to them, but I want to know why they're not eating sushi. Yeah. And, and then I love giving them free food. I want to say, well, you know, do you like rice? And they're like, yeah, do you, do you like chicken? Do you like veggies? You know, well, we serve all those things. You know, yeah. It's not just raw fish because you know, there's sushi here. Yeah. Um, so it's really the education component to the people that don't know what we do or what sushi is. And, and as we educate our people, um, and our consumers and our team and do a better job at that, we'll continue to create change. And, you know, there's nothing better than people that eat sushi for the first time with us. And then they continue to eat sushi with yeah. us and they're more like, and then eventually they'll continue trying other places. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned this. Cause, uh, if you Google search, uh, John Lee or sorry, um, Gary Vaynerchuk and John Taffer, uh, John shares during this interview, uh, this, uh, technique that he uses to get people to come back and basically you find out if they're the first time they're a first time guest uh you give them a like a a business card with like a signature and like say like next time you come back try the chicken and then if they come back and they present you that chicken uh gift or a business card then you're like okay let's make the chicken before they leave you write them another you know card that says next time you come back try the beef and if somebody comes in and hands you the beef card that's your cue that you know that this is their second time back. And then the third time, really? yeah, the third time, uh, you, I can't like you, you give them something else. Right. But the trick is to get them to come back three times. Cause there's a, a statistic out there that shows that somebody comes back three times, 
they're 70 times, they're 70 percent more likely to be a loyal repeat customer if you can get them to come back three times i love that so check um, that out i'll link to it in the show notes uh but it's a cool little technique and uh, there's technology you can use to, like leverage that like loyalty programs and yeah stuff. i mean we i i that's awesome i love that idea we we um rolled out an app last year we're working on our second version of it now and and that's ways for us to continue to build that connection yeah. so we can do exactly what you're saying cool. um that's awesome. I love that idea. <laughs> cool. Thank you. No problem. Uh, what's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Uh, I did mention Chew Dog earlier. I really like that book. Um, mostly because it was one of them. Um, you know, I've read all the Malcolm Gladwell books. Those are always cool. Kind of the, you know, thought leaders and just trying to think outside the box and think a little differently. Um, so, you know, I love the Malcolm Gladwell books. Which book is your favorite Malcolm Gladwell book? Uh, tipping point was great. Um, blink blink was, I think blink was the first one I read. Um, cool. Those will be in the show. This is episode four forty one. Yes. Episode four forty one. If head over to restaurant, stoppable.com slash four, four one, you can find those books in the show notes. And I'm pretty sure all of Mal- Malcolm Gladwell, whose stuff is on, uh, audio. So are you an audio book person? Yeah, I am. Oh, I love audio books. I would be lost if I didn't have audio books and, uh, a little selfish plug here. I'm a, an affiliate of Audible. So head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable if you don't already have an Audible trial membership because it's like a game changer in my opinion. Very cool. Uh, share an online resource or tool you're leveraging to improve your business. An on, uh, I think the app. You know, Maybe that's not an on- online resource, but it's the mobile. Um, you know, our, our mobile app is, is kind of the future of where we're trying to go as we continue to try to recreate that experience in our app similar to what we do in our four walls. And as we integrate the online ordering platform and the loyalty and the kind of mobile payment throughout that, um, that'll kind of be the future of where we're trying to get to. So um, are you doing this in-house? This is an in-house uh, platform that you're developing your, on your own, or are you going to a... No, we've partnered with some some of the best in class. You know, we, we partner with Olo for the online ordering What's part. What's it called? Olo. O-L-A? L-O-L-O. O-L-O. Yeah, O-L-O. They, they power... Uh, the online ordering platform for some of the best restaurant brands. And that in the includes country. the uh, the app. Is it integrated with the app? It integrates inside the app that we've we're partnering with Level Up on. So we're just trying to continue to, you know, design a better experience on that app so we can, you know, get the product to our consumers as efficiently as possible. Okay, so it's and a combination between the Olo, which is the online ordering, and the Level Up, which is the loyalty program. Yeah, cool. And what's one piece of technology you've adopted and you're leveraging within your technology? within your business, I'm talking like in in-house like technology, like uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I have to figure out a better way to ask these questions. So I get a lot of overlap. <laughs> like the app? Uh, yeah. Cause uh, is the app online or is that a physical tool yeah. or, um, but is there like a, an in-house uh, technology that you're leveraging? Like a, maybe a POS system or like something that's more like uh, really our, had an impact on our, our, our press the yeah. la- lays the rice um, nice. and the cutter, you know, some of the, it's, it's what you see when you, when you walk down the yeah. line in our in our restaurant, that's um, consumer facing. It's right in front of you, and you yeah. see it. Um, what were the brand names on this? So I can link back to them. Oh, Autec. How do you spell that? A U T E C. Autec. Autec, and that's uh, is that? Do they make the the cutter and the? They make yeah. Press? Autec. Yeah. So anybody that like you know tries to recreate our concept, they're always using the same equipment. Okay. But it's um, it's yeah. always funny when you see you know that equipment. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I could, I could, I could go on for days about that kind of stuff. But right. uh, this is the last question. You yeah, ready? 
if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, tomorrow, and all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, things you know to be true for the good of humanity and for the restaurant industry, what would they be? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, three important things. Um, yeah, I mean... Integrity is our first number one value. I, I, you know, it's probably cliche to say something like that, but really um, acting in living with integrity um, and being open and honest and vulnerable, about, you know, about life mm. um, is, I think, key to really kind of, um, you know, fusion is only going to be as great as the people that are involved in it. Um, so, you know... It, so we have, we have integrity, which in my opinion, that's not, it's like doing what you say you're going to do. And then you said being open and vulnerable to vulnerability life. is, um, you know, something that I've learned, uh, more so this year than ever before. Um, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to go on to, to an experience in Israel, um, a couple months ago through this foundation. And I, um, it was on a wellness kind of yeah. retreat and I yeah. got to meet a lot of really cool people, um, doing different things in the world. And, you know, really kind of understanding, um, gratitude yeah. and, and mindfulness and meditation and really understanding how to, um, kind of balance out your life, uh, will has, has made me calmer and a better person and ultimately a better leader, um, which, you know, is better for me personally, as well as for the business. Um, so I think acting, you know, being grateful, is, is, is a major thing. Um, you know, you know, saying a couple things every single day that you're grateful for. Yeah. Uh, man, practicing just, uh, gratefulness or grateful. Well, I can't talk. Gratitude. Uh, gratitude. gratitude yeah. yeah. Uh, huge. So integrity, being open and vulnerable to life and being grateful. Those are the three things I got. And, uh, man, this has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to, to be vulnerable, to open up and to talk about the good, uh, the, 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 the uh, achievements, the things you did well, and also to reflect back and talk about some of the things that you wish you could have done better. Uh, I appreciate you for that. And um, we wrap up every episode by calling people out. So uh, who's one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire and think would make a great guest mentor on the show? Ah, um, yeah, there's, there's so what about in Cincinnati? Cause you know that market. Yeah. So who's in Cincinnati? Um, on the show? the Lonnie brothers, the Lonnie brothers. Yeah. They, um, I remember, when we first got started, I was introduced to them and I went into a, you know, I met them for the first time and, you know, they literally gave me their operations manual. Oh, that's awesome. They came from the restaurant business. Their father was in it for years. And, um, you know, Joe and John, <laughs> he, he, he literally answered the phone every time I call him and I would call him all the time. I'd ask annoying questions. He, it's like, he loves me, but you know, it's, it's, I'm so grateful for those guys because those guys are best in class. They're, they're great guys. They've built an incredible company and, um, they're, you know, they, they, they have the, you know, they live with great values and they're, and they're doing something that it, nobody else is doing. Beautiful. Um, so I recommend getting those guys on here because Joe and John Lonnie, Joe and John Lonnie. Yeah. Beautiful. Big fans. Look out guys. I'm coming after you. And, uh, <laughs> if we want to connect with you, if we want to connect with you and continue the conversation, maybe join your team. What's the best way to do that? Uh, um, fusion.com. Uh, you can find everything through there. We are updating the website here shortly to continue to make it better. Uh, but yeah, fusion.com, you can find anything through there. You can go to teamfusion.com through there. 
Um, we have the app. We're also at um, all of our socials, eat, at EatFusion, E-A-T-F-U-S-I-A-N. So we, we spell fusion a little differently. Uh, but yeah, you can reach us on social as well as through our website. Beautiful. And I'm also just Zach, Z-A-C-H at fusion.com. So I'm all ears. Awesome. I'll have all those links uh, in the show notes. Again, this is episode 441. Zach Weprin, thank you again for taking the time to join us, to share your story, to share what makes you unstoppable, to share uh, what you've overcome and how you're better because of it today. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Thank you, sir. I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity. (laughs) Oh, man, it was my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. And man, what a story. Uh, I can't even wrap my mind around uh, just breaking into this industry with no real real experience prior to it and being as successful as these guys have been. I mean, that's saying a lot about their character and their work ethic. And I also really want to take this time to, to thank Zach for getting open and real. And he could sit here and tell us about all the things that he think he did right, but he chose to focus on a lot of the things that, um, they could have done better. And he, he got really humble and really open and really raw and authentic. And he, he talked about a lot of their challenges. And I'm so grateful for that because I think that that's really where we learn the most is from our challenges and from overcoming the, those those tough times. And the fact that he was so willing to to get real and to open up and to share that with us and to to share uh, his lessons from the you know he had a lot of successes. I mean, absolutely, what they've grown in in eight years is remarkable. But to like really get real and say like, this is also what we could have done better. And to admit that and to swallow that publicly, uh, especially after closing two locations so recently. And I think there's a good point here. Like, you know, you aren't going to have a home run with every location you open. The greatest restaurant tours that we know, uh, didn't all have the home run hits with every restaurant they, they opened the Danny Myers, the Cameron Mitchell's, the, the John Besh's, the, uh, Joe, uh, Bastianches, they've all had failures. And if you look at 10 out of 12, I mean, you're still batting a really good average. So I, it, I think it's important to uh, know that if things don't go well, it's not the end of the world. Like he said, he had times where he was losing sleep and like he hit some really dark and, and hard times. And I think it's important that you know that you're going to hit these hard times too. And who you surround yourself with, having that core uh, partnership, the people who are closest to you, the people that just surround yourself with people who care about you, whether they are your business partners or your father, like like Zach in this circumstance, uh, make sure you have that 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 uh, support system around you uh, because they will help you get through it and and know that like your failures aren't a representation. You're not defined by your failures. You're defined by your successes and you're defined by how you recover from your failures and how you choose to react when you fall down. So you're going to hit those speed bumps and just know that you're not defined by those things and uh, you're not defined by your past, but you're defined by what you choose to do in the future. And I think that that knowledge alone is really powerful. So again, Zach, thank you so much for getting real, for opening up, for being vulnerable, uh, for being raw and authentic. Uh, I mean, I think that probably has a lot to do with your success in this industry, uh, given the facts, given you mean you broke into this with zero experience, which just blows my mind. Imagine doing that 24 years old, no experience and opening restaurant after restaurant and having pretty much 
relative success throughout the way. I mean, it's incredible. And to recognize uh, what changes need to happen and be willing to make those changes. Great story. Awesome stuff. Uh, like always, guys, please do reach to reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Let me know who you want to hear from. Uh, I'm going to be traveling the country a lot. Podcasts. Let me know if you're interested in hosting me. Uh, you know, every little bit helps. Uh, every, every, every little bit of support absolutely helps. And uh, if you... Uh, want to support the show, I do accept donations. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash support. But honestly, the best way to support the show and to support this mission of empowering independent restaurant operators with the stories and advice of those proven to be great in our industry. If you want to support that mission, share this podcast. Right now, if you're listening to this on your phone, take a screenshot of the app, whatever app you're using to listen to this, and share it on Instagram and tag me, Eric, at restaurant... Sorry, Eric... (laughs) At Eric Catchtori, E R C E R I C C A C C I A T O R E, and yes, thank you in advance. All right, guys, that's all for now. Uh, thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.